Hello and welcome back to the Mindful Belly Don't Eat Your Feelings podcast. I'm your host and health coach, Ellie Rome. So in this episode, I'm so excited to share with you guys a talk that I gave for my good friend Danielle Gertner's coaching group. She leads a 90-day habit and mindset transformation program. And I gave a talk to her ladies about how to break through emotional eating and stress eating patterns. And this is what I do as a coach. And so if you need any help with that, if you're someone who is struggling with eating emotionally or having feeling really out of control when it comes to food, please know that you are not alone and that you don't have to do this alone. It is a long-term practice of reconditioning your mind, reconditioning your relationship with food. And so if you need help, please reach out. You can email me at ellie at mindfulbelly.com or DM me on Instagram at mindfulbelly. All right, now for the show. All right, beautiful people. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy, what's today? Happy Thursday. Um, we are here with Ellie Rome, Breaking Through Emotional Eating, an incredible, incredible human, um, holistic health coach, chemical engineer turned holistic health coach and weight loss coach. Um, she's got a really, really cool story that I'm sure you'll share a little bit with us. I'm not going to ruin it. Um, but thank you so much for being here, Ellie. Thank you, Sarah and Jackie for tuning in live. And thank you all those that are going to watch this afterwards. Um, and I'm going to turn it over to you, Ellie, if you need anything from me, feel free to, uh, holler. And if not, I'm so super pumped to learn from you today. So thank you again so much for being here. Yes, thank you for that introduction, Danielle. And thank you guys for letting me come speak with you. I'm really excited and I hope that you acknowledge yourselves for signing up for this program. I know Dan Danielle is an amazing coach and I'm sure you guys are learning so much and made this commitment to yourselves. So I think that's huge. So I just want to honor you for doing that. Yeah. And today, so today's going to be yeah about learning how to break through emotional eating. This was something that I really struggled with most of my life. I, as Danielle said, I was a chemical engineer, but I was a sugar addict my in first 20 years of life, really bad. And I don't use that word lightly. I was constantly thinking about food all the time, was a chronic binge eater, constantly eating beyond the point of fullness. And it really didn't catch up with me until college when I started to gain weight. I gained about 30 pounds in college and I was doing everything I knew to do to keep it off. So like the conventional wisdom, I was trying to eat less and move more and that would work for like two days. And then I would end up just going crazy and binging and it started, I mean, I was trying to starve myself. I was got to a point where I was trying to make myself throw up unsuccessfully. And it was just this constant shame cycle of, of trying to go all day long without eating. And then this horrible binge at night and then shame and then stress and then eating more. And it was just felt like I was spiraling out of control. And then I ended up developing an autoimmune thyroid condition. So I was losing hair. I had chronic digestive issues and kind of symptoms kept piling on. And I went to a bunch of doctors who weren't really sure what was wrong. And finally went to a holistic practitioner who was the only one who asked me what I was eating. And I thought I was doing pretty well like the conventional things like eat whole grains and low fat yogurts and low calorie. And she knew pretty much instantly it was the food that was driving all that. So I transformed my diet and that transformed my world. And that was the start. It was the first time I kind of got off sugar 
and I didn't think that was humanly possible. So that was the, the first spark of my dive into nutrition. I kind of became, once my body healed, I became kind of obsessed with understanding why. And then um, from there, it did, that didn't heal the binging. That didn't necessarily like take care of the emotional eating, but it, was the, it gave me some space because I wasn't so hooked on food. I wasn't so addicted to sugar, um, but I was still reaching for food when I was stressed out. I was still compulsively eating. And that was because that was the conditioning. That was the mental conditioning. And so that's where mindfulness practice really started taking toll, I guess, at that point. And then since then, that was about eight years ago, I became a coach on the side of my engineering and then started doing it full time. So now I, um, that's just become my life's passion is to help people break through these emotional eating patterns and transform their health. So with that, um, to start off with, I'd love to know for you guys, are you, have you ever, or do you ever eat emotionally or do you ever use food for comfort? I can start. Um, so hi everyone. I'm Sarah. I haven't met you before. Actually, um, I'm a registered dietitian. So food is all I think about, honestly. And, um, part of why I became a dietitian is because it just revolved around my whole life growing up. Um, just nutrition being in tune with my body and, um, just like I was an overweight child growing up. And so like, it just was always something I thought about. Um, my family's fit and healthy. They eat healthy. I eat healthy, but I, you know, I definitely am an emotional eater. Um, my emotions drive what I want. Um, um, it's, it's very like emotional just thinking about it, but I think part of why I became a dietitian is because I'm, I'm so interested in learning about it more. Um, so this is very vulnerable side of me, but, um, but yeah, I definitely um, find that emotions has definitely been always something I've been, I've, I've always struggled with. Um, and I'm still learning through it, even as a dietitian. I mean, you know, that this is a journey for everybody. Um, but yeah, that's definitely, I think, kind of how I started getting to be aware of nutrition. And I'm still learning parts through that um, in my own personal life, as well as in my career. Um, but yeah, emotions definitely still to this day drive my eating habits. And um, Daniel and I have been talking about that too. But um, I find that, you know, it, it is something that it doesn't happen every day. But there are times where I'm just a sad or lonely or whatever it might be. And my comfort might be sugar. Or my comfort might be like, I don't know, I find it's more of like a textural, like kind of like, um, and actually, I wanted to ask you what you thought about this. But like, certain foods for my own, my own comfort would be like sushi or rice, like that carby consistency. And that's what I've noticed or like sugar, or some like, like a cookie or a cake. Like I don't care about ice cream, but like it's that cart, that texture. So I was curious about like what you had thought about, like, cause it's kind of like an aversion in that sense of that texture. Um, and that's kind of what I, I gravitate towards as like my food that I emotionally feel that I want to have. So it's that comfort style food, but, um, that's what I've noticed, but yeah, I mean, emotions definitely drive my eating habits and, um, I'm trying to work through that with habit changing with Danielle and I just recreating those, those mindful thoughts in my head that don't allow those emotions to override the entire day. That was great. But one emotion just sets me off. 
So, um, so yeah, so that hundred percent, hundred percent. And I gave you everything on there. Table's flat there. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> but, um, yes, that I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll let Jackie take it over next, but that's, that's my, uh, yes, hundred percent. Um, Sarah, thank you so much. Do you want to respond or should I, should I talk? Oh, Jackie, no, okay. Go ahead. Okay. So, um, I would say I'm definitely an emotional eater for me. I've never noticed that it's like one particular thing. It's just like, if I'm feeling not my best, then I'll just like eat anything. Um, even to like the point where it like makes me sick sometimes, not as much now, but like definitely in the past, um, that has been an issue for me and it's not like, um, I'm enjoying it in any way. Um, and I think that that definitely, I was sexually assaulted three years ago and that has played a big part in, um, my life after that. I feel like I emotionally ate a lot and I gained, I'm not exactly sure how much weight I gained, but I gained like a significant amount of weight after that. So, um, I think that that kind of intensified it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah, and just to also just say, like, I definitely emotionally eat as well. And it's not something that I thought I think I ever really knew to admit to because I've always been little. And so it it didn't affect me in terms of, like, gaining weight, but I would eat to the point where I was sick if I was upset about something, if a boy broke up with me. Um, when I was in high school, I went to, like, a really shitty high school where, like, rumors were always flying around, and there was one year in particular, um, I had a really stupid, immature boyfriend that then broke up with me and, like, spread all these rumors about me, and all I would do was eat to make my, I would get really high and then I would just eat to the point where like I'd fall asleep because I was so full. Um, but it was never something. And I think I've talked to both of you about this too, of like sort of also on the body image side, like I never knew to call it body image because the way that the media portrays it is like, oh, if you're little, like you don't have issues or like you don't have struggle with these types of things. And so, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, to also add, like, I too struggle to, like, emotionally, or I will emotionally eat sometimes if I'm overwhelmed, and um, so. Uh, thank you, Danielle. All of you, thank you so much for your shares, and this is, I think, so many of us deal with this, and, or, like, have this kind of relationship with food, and food serves as that source of comfort, especially in these times of increased uncertainty, and increased anxiety, and, we don't have the outlets that we used to have even pre-COVID to, to release that kind of stress, like friends, sporting events, things, even just, just distraction. It's like you're kind of s sitting with yourself a lot more. Do y'all feel that? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, and with that, we, our brain wants hits of dopamine. It wants hits of pleasure and endorphins and we get that from food. And it's one of the only socially acceptable ways that we are able to, to release our, our stress. So especially things with like processed junk food that's high in refined sugar, processed oils, fatty process, or like um, basically chemically designed to light your brain up like drugs like addictive drugs. And they've shown that in the brain scans that they light up the same neural center of your brain, sugar does. And these um, 
we, that's why when you like maybe open a bag of chips, you maybe be able to like, not just eat just one. It's like the whole bag's gone. It's like, what just happened here? And that's what it is when we're, even when we're just bored, we want stimulation and our, our lives right now are designed to get instant stimulation from our phones or from a distraction. And so this is where we can start to hone in. And this is really, this talk is going to be a lot about connecting into the present moment and being able to be with ourselves, to be able to recognize compulsive behaviors, whether it's reaching for food or reaching for your phone or online shopping, it's noticing like, what am I trying to escape from? What am I trying to numb out from? And as I mentioned earlier, this was, I was numbing out. It was like, I'd get home and I just didn't want to think about anything and food. I had conditioned myself, like you feel uncomfortable, reach for food. And that was the pathway that was in, like, built in my brain. It was carved in. So every time I had a trigger, I was just unconsciously at the fridge or literally you guys, I used to melt Hershey kisses in a bowl in the microwaves and eat it with a spoon and then pass out from a sugar coma. Like every single day, it was sick. <laughs> like in my mind, it was, it was, I couldn't, I couldn't stop that. And so um, the way I started to be able to, I think the first thing I want to talk about is, is the what to eat, because it is certain foods that by like in your physiology do spark more cravings, do spark you to want to, to reach for more and kind of make you unconscious. So it's starting to notice what those foods are for you. And it sounded like, like with Sarah, you said like the cakes and the carbiness, like that. And it may just be for you that that's like the quickest way your body's getting a hit. It's like, I know that I can break that down super fast. And like, you may have associated with that cake or that, that rice with pleasure. And if you've done, if you've reached for sushi every time that you're stressed out, your brain is now like, here's the stress trigger. Where's my sushi? Like, give me, where is it? I need it. And it's not going to stop thinking about it until you feed it. And I like to think about the analogy of a begging dog. So if you have a dog and every time it comes home, you feed it a treat. And then one day you come home and you don't feed it that treat. It's going to freak out and be like clawing at you, scratching at your leg. Like, where is this thing? Or where's my, where's my treat? And so right now on those days that you're stressed out and your brain's like, where's the sushi? Give me the sushi. Give me the cake. Where is it? And you're like, I don't want to think about this, but you're stressed out. And then eventually just giving in because it's clawing at your leg. So if you can, what we have to do is start recognizing what those, that tendency, that pattern of constantly feeding the dog and going a couple days where you're, you're realizing that you kind of have to retrain this dog. And there's, I'm going to share with you ways to do that, but um, that's just to open this up, um, coming back to the what to eat. So things like sugar, refined carbs, refined grains, these things spike our blood sugar up like to the top of a roller coaster. And then what happens? Our blood sugar crashes. And then what do y'all feel at the bottom of a sugar crash? If you've ever experienced one. I'm tired. I'm very um, lethargic. Yeah. And what do you crave more of like when you're, what do you crave at the bottom of a crash? More sugar. Yeah. yeah more <laughs> sugar. So it's just like you crash, you crave I more. <laughs> yes. And it's just like up and down all day long, especially if you're even like for me, I was thinking I was eating 
foods that were healthy. I was eating this whole, the whole wheat breads, drinking orange juice, eating low fat yogurts, but they were loaded with sugar and the bread and the rice and the pasta, it all breaks down in the body like sugar. It's spiking your blood sugar up. So even if you're not eating cookies and soda, like it's still putting you on that roller coaster. And then there's more to that story. So when our, when we eat this sugary stuff our carby stuff, and we get this huge sugar spike, we get a huge insulin spike. And that insulin is our fat storage hormone. So telling our body to store fat, but not only that, it's that when we have high insulin levels, it blocks another hormone called leptin. Leptin is our satiety hormone. It is what allows our brain, like when we eat something, our leptin goes up and it tells our brain, hey brain, we're full. You can shut off our hunger hormones and you can rev up our metabolism. So we burn this fuel and that's why in between meals, you should be able to go like four to six hours without eating. But if you're eating carbs all the time and refined sugar and you're getting these big blood sugar spikes, so your insulin is high, insulin blocks leptin. So even though you may have just eaten and you should have this signal to your brain that you're full, insulin is blocking that. So your brain thinks that you're still hungry. It thinks that you haven't gotten enough. And so have y'all ever had the experience of eating like, like sushi or a bunch of Chinese food or something? And it, you may have be physically full, but mentally you could just keep eating. You, you're like in the pantry an hour later. Yeah. Yes. That is what is happening. It's that you're, it's a really good sign that insulin is high and that you're not receiving those satiation signals. And so the way to help with this is to get the insulin down and to start, you know, noticing, just noticing this experience and starting to re like watch your carbs, watch your, the amount of sugar you're eating, add in protein, make sure you're getting nutrients so that, because so often we're just reaching for food that out of like, even if we're emotionally eating, but it might be a lot because our body needs nutrients. And so if you're just, but if you're reaching for cookies or bread that is calories, but it's not actually supplying the body with nutrients, your body's going to keep those hunger signals going. So we may be overfed, but undernourished. So it's really important to make sure that you're getting enough healthy fat. That's going to help keep you satiated and it keeps insulin low. That's why for a lot of people, like the keto fad has come out it's working for a lot of people just because it's like, especially with people with type two diabetes, it's keeping the insulin low. Um, so adding in healthy fats, adding in good protein and making sure those are a staple of your diet so that you're not actually just eating out of necessity. If that makes sense, like your body thinks you're starving. Ellie, can I just ask, a, I just want to make sure I'm understanding. So when I eat like high carbs, my insulin goes up. When does leptin go up? When I yeah. eat? Leptin goes up when you eat. Okay. And then my insulin also goes up when I eat? Yeah. But carbs, like carby foods. Carby foods, yeah. Okay. And then that blocks, the insulin's blocking the leptin hormones from telling my brain. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was drawing a little diagram. <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, that's a great recap. I know it can be sometimes confusing. Um, and so... Yeah. So this can just be a good way to start. It doesn't mean you can never eat sugar again or never have carbs again. It's just learning kind of how to like being mindful of your choices when you're eating. I'm like, okay, this, like, this is what's happening. So if I, if I choose to add in more protein and that healthy fat, like I may not experience, I can keep myself off that blood sugar roller coaster. And it makes it so much easier when you're not, it makes it so much easier to be a mindful eater when you're not actually like 
hooked on the food and you can actually feel full from food. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then from that also like with these refined foods or we get, as I mentioned, like the dopamine hit and with things like steak, like when you eat a steak, every bite you eat, you get less of a dopamine response. Eventually you get to a point where you just like don't want anymore because you're full. But with things like chocolate and things like super highly palatable foods like chips, you get the, a hit. You, your dopamine goes up just as much as the 20th Oreo as it does on the first. So you don't get a blunted response because you're not, again, receiving that satiety signal. So it's just kind of another, another player in this. It's all like a perfect storm. We've got this hyper palatable food causing these huge dopamine hits. So we want more and more and more. And then we're also not getting our satiation signals. So that's just another piece. Okay. So that's like the what to eat. Um, then what I want to move into more of the mindful eating around like actually breaking the patterning. So honestly, one of the most powerful questions that has been transformative is asking, am I actually hungry? Every time I reach for food. And this was a game changer because so it just woke me up to the amount of times that I was impulsively reaching for food out of, out of mostly stress, but it was like little things starting to notice your triggers. So for me, a lot of it was when I was working as an engineer, I would get like a stressful email and I'd instantly want to go to the fridge or I'd finish a task. And like, right after I finished the task, it was like, my brain wanted something else stimulating. So it was like, where's food? And it was so, it's crazy how much it's just that impulse is and to start waking up to your own triggers. And it's not about judging yourself for, for reaching for things. It's really just about getting curious and get off autopilot and start really paying attention. Like, why am I reaching for this? Oh, isn't it interesting that like I'm cold and I want to be warm and I'm reaching for food. Like that's literally been one of my triggers is just being cold. And you start waking up to all these things and it's, it's so empowering. And then doing, once you start, like the first step is the awareness piece. So like, why am I reaching for this? Every time asking yourself, am I actually hungry? And then finding non-edible forms of nourishment. So asking yourself in those moments, okay, what am I feeling right now? Am I stressed? Am I anxious? Like, what do I feel in the body? What am I needing? And so often if it's stress, a lot of times it's needing comfort, wanting some downtime. I just need to breathe. I need to um, relax and whatever it is that you're needing in that moment, but, but identifying that thing and even saying it out loud can be really helpful. I'm just like, right when you notice your trigger reach for food, it's an opportunity of your body calling for something. So almost seeing it as a gift, a blessing, it's a body signal, just like cravings and impulsive eating are, are just signals from the body that, Hey, I need something right now. Please, please tune into me. Like I'm calling for you. Does that make sense? I love that you're sharing this because first of all, both of them have read Atomic Habits. So I love that she said triggers, right? Because the habit loop, the trigger, the response and the reward, like we don't always talk about specifically food, but we are talking about other forms of, of building better habits. So I love that you said that. And then I think on both of our calls, Jackie, I think I said this to you today and Sarah, we talked about this on Tuesdays, like, what do I need right now? 
what does my body want right now? What do I need right now? And I love, like, I never thought to ask myself that question when it comes to food of like, yeah, like, why am I getting up again? You know, what is it that I need? And like, this is a big one for me with weed. And like, they both know that I, and you know, that I smoke weed. So like, they all know, but this is a big one for me of like, I find myself like, obviously I know that there's munchies and like something that I've been like experimenting with is what exactly it's not just that like I'm always hungry but I can get bored so like when I keep getting up when I'm high it's like what am I actually trying to fill and a lot of times it's that boredom because my mind is like running when I'm high and like I want to do things and so when it's late at night I think like doing something is eating when it could be like maybe I draw Maybe I like do a crossword puzzle, like something else. And I just like did think about it that way. So, yeah. Thank you. Yes. And this is exactly it. Like, so identifying the trigger. So for you, if it's munchies after smoking and then identifying that non-edible form of nourishment, which would be for you, like the drawing or some sort of outlet for me in the beginning, what I would do is I, I started reaching for club soda. So it was sparkling water, Topo Chico. And then it was creating a new neural pathway. So every time I had that stress trigger, it wasn't, instead of the old pathway being reaching for food, the new pathway was reach for a club soda. And after doing that like 20 times, my brain started, I'd have a stress trigger and I'd literally start craving LaCroix or Topo Chico. I was like, where's my, where's my cold club soda? And it was still, it was still a compulsion. Like I was still like having, I was using something external but it was a first step in creating space for myself to not be using food. And it was game changing. So just that simple switch. And it was also telling, not telling myself like you can't eat. It was like, okay, we'll, we'll get food, but like, let's first do this. Like being gentle with yourself. Like, let's just try this first. And so often it's just that, that space to come down. Cause a lot of times we just get like amped something. There's like an energy when you're stressed or when you're looking for something or wanting to numb out. So if you can just like use the, the water or tea or put on a song and just give yourself space. And a lot of times cravings last like two to five minutes. So if you can know that and just say like, what if I could just give, I get through two to five, like five minutes or two minutes, just like, let's see if this will pass and trusting that it will. And then other things for non-edible forms of nourishment um, are, or I guess, do you guys have any ideas for yourselves of what you, do you currently use anything? Um, I'd say maybe like, you know, going for a walk or cleaning for me, like sometimes cleaning. Um, <laughs> I see Danielle. Yeah. So I would say walk or cleaning um, would be the two off the top of my head right now. Yeah. And Jackie, what about you? Um, I think journaling is something that's good for me. Um, I actually like broke up for a second, so I don't know what you said, Sarah. But um, I think coloring also. I really like coloring. Yes, I love this. And so I think one huge thing for you guys is to have, and they talk about this in Atomic Habits. I love that you read that. Um, about making that so accessible to you. So that the coloring book isn't like in the closet because you're, you're, you're about to like the, the food's right there but the coloring book is far away then like we're definitely gonna choose the food. So it's just like having it readily available and then creating that if then plan. So that's one thing 
you can start identifying like specific times when you reach for food after you start noticing these triggers. Like I know for a lot of people I work with is, is Netflix at night. It's like after dinner and they're watching TV and they just have that already conditioned to, to eat while they watch TV. And so it's like you sit on the couch and instantly you're salivating for food. So it's like, okay, we got to change this. So creating like, okay, I'm going to drink a hot cup of herbal tea or again, the club soda, or I'm going to bring my coloring book with me. I'm going to color instead. Honestly, I've got these, um, I made these electrolyte popsicles. They're just water and lime and, and, and salt. But I saw the video. It looks so good. Yes, they're so easy and they're so good. And that's something amazing to reach for at night because it, it's a popsicle. So it lasts a long time and it gives you something to do. So it's great for the couch. Um, and it's just exploring and experimenting, finding things that work for you. And um, they talk about this in the Atomic Habits too. It's like the casting the votes. So like, am I casting votes for future me or old me? They know that this is my favorite, that every <laughs> action you take is a vote for the person you wish to be done. That's my favorite quote in the entire world. I think Jackie has that. Like she hears that in her sleep because I've worked <laughs> with Jackie since November. And like she hears, I've said that so many times. So yeah, it's just really cool to see like, um, when I bring in somebody like you to talk about something like this, which is, um, you know, we talk about it more so Kendall talks about it because we have a registered dietitian that works with the girls in the program, but to hear how these concepts from the book, like this is habit training, this is mindset training. And it's really, really cool. Um, and by the way, ladies, I will share Ellie's Instagram so you can see all the cool stuff she posts and you can see the popsicle she posted. Cause I was like, Oh my God, it's so smart. It's so easy. <laughs> That definitely that sounds awesome I love popsicles too yes and there's so much you can do with them like you mm -hmm. can put some fruit in them or like yeah they're so easy yeah um, I'm gonna do that this weekend yes so it's something great to reach for and and so yeah asking yourself so night, like asking you know what would the the best version of me choose at night or whenever you're finding that trigger and then also with the the new pathway carving that new pathway is the other analogy where we have this like super highway in the brain of conditioning. So if you've 20 years have been using chocolate cake to numb out, like the brain has that wired in, like I feel overwhelmed, I'm eating chocolate cake. And so to give yourself grace as you develop this new pathway, that this is an unpaved forest that you've never been on. So your brain's gonna resist it. And it's like, no, I want the chocolate cake. So you've gotta be just proactive in the beginning of knowing that it might be a little bit uncomfortable and to like know that every time you take that path, every time you choose the, the popsicle, that's a huge win. That is carving that pathway out and it gets more defined and easier and easier. Like I mentioned with the club soda that my brain started taking that path on default, but it, that took, a couple of weeks of me just like doing it every single time and to have compassion for yourself when you fall down the old path. Because I think a lot of times we, we accidentally eat the chocolate cake and then it's like, Oh, I failed. I'm like forever. I'm, I'm like, can't get out of this. I might as well just like this week's done. Like I, I screwed up and realizing that every moment is a new moment to choose the new path. Like it's okay when we get stressed, our brain wants to take the path of least resistance. And so just noticing, like having compassion for yourself, I guess is the, the gist is saying, it's okay. You know, my brain accidentally fell down that old path, but 
this moment's new for me to take the forest path and go grab that popsicle. Okay. Does that all make sense? Yeah, okay. definitely. That was all super helpful. Oh, good. Did I draw the picture of the meadow for anybody? Sarah, I did this for you, didn't I? No? I haven't seen a meadow. <laughs> well, like, literally, what did you say? Oh, I, I think, oh, I was like, you're muted. I wasn't on mute. Um, where you're walking, <laughs> like, where you're walking, where you keep walking through the meadow, and then each path keeps going down and down and down, and then you find that, yes, the corn path or something you said? Yep. Are we talking yeah. about that? Yeah, so Ellie, exactly what you said was the analogy that I'd given. Like, imagine there's a meadow outside of your house, and, you know, one day you decide to walk straight through the middle of the meadow. Like, you're going to get slapped in the face by a bunch of tall grass, but every day you decide to walk that same path, you push that grass down more and more and more and more and more, until one day you can stand outside the meadow and you see the path that you've been walking. And, like, also on the flip side to what you said of, like, you know, we're gonna, our brains revert to taking the path of least resistance. Like if you're trying to not walk a path you've been walking, like it's gonna take some time for that grass to grow back right there. So giving yourself like that time to like, you might end up down that path one day because it's still kind of carved out and it's gonna take some time for that grass to grow back. So like everything, like I got a whole page of notes right now. This is great, keep going. This is awesome. I love that meadow analogy. That's such a good visual. Thank you. And Another thing for this is being proactive about when we're in, like before we get to that stress state where we're defaulting to an old pattern is thinking about um, what I call the adaptation energy bucket. And so every day we come into the, into the world with this bucket of what's called adaptation energy. So this is our energy to be able to adapt to things that are thrown at us during our day. Whenever, every, anytime there's something unexpected, a change, it drains our energy bucket. Anytime we are hit with any sort of stressor or we don't get a good night's sleep, we start off the day with a low bucket. And so when that bucket is drained and you're hit with something, it is so much harder to make a conscious decision. Our brain wants to just default to the autopilot mode because it doesn't have the energy to think. It doesn't have the energy to be disciplined. And so that's where willpower really fails. Like you can, you can grit it and whatever, but when you're in a depleted place, like willpower doesn't work because we just don't have the energy for it. And so this is where mindfulness comes in. And this is where being able to, to throughout the day, check in with yourself. Where am I at in my adaptation energy? Like, am I coming in the day super drained? Well then like, what can I do to fill that bucket up? And that's things like meditation, things like breath work. I'm going to take y'all through some breath work in this if we, yeah, we'll have time. Um, things like just eating healthy food. So starting to think about food choices, not as good or bad, but thinking about food as like, I'm filling my bucket. Like, okay, I'm adding this in because this makes me feel good. And thinking about food as like releasing again, the good or the bad and thinking about food choices as how am I going to feel? How does this food make me feel? And starting to be, become aware of how food makes you feel. And you are a unique individual. So certain foods may make you feel lousy that other people, they feel great on. And starting to really ask, like really tune into your own self every time you eat, like how did that make me feel? And releasing the I can have and I can't have. So I think that sets us up for a lot of restriction and binge is telling yourself, you know, I could eat this box of donuts. Like, how am I going to feel after that box of donuts? Crappy, like lousy. And so giving yourself choice, like, okay, awesome. I could choose that, 
Like I'd rather choose to feel light and energized and good about my day and feel good when I wake up. So it's starting to bring consciousness into all choices of your life. Is this giving me energy? Is this taking away? And then throughout your day, checking in, like, where am I at in my adaptation energy bucket? Am I trying to just go, go, go all day long and not take any breaks? And then I get home and I'm numb and I'm trying to numb out with food. Has that ever been the case for you guys? Oh, yes. Yeah. And so when, when throughout the day, if you could bring in this, the next, the next tool is the bringing in little pockets of presence during your day so that, that you don't get to the end of the day and need a break. Like you don't get to the end of the day, just completely wiped out with no mental energy, but throughout the day, if you can create little pockets of time and it doesn't even have to be like 10 minutes of meditation, it can be 30 seconds where like as in the atomic habits, I'm going to refer to this again, um, the pairing with things. So pairing little pockets of presence with things you're already doing. So every, when you're in the shower, can you just connect with your breath and just call, like allow yourself to feel the water on your skin? Just like tell, repeat to yourself, like, this is going to be a great day. Like I feel good in my body. I'm making good choices. Letting that time be affirmation time. Or when you're in the car, um, right? Like every time you're right about to get out of the car, maybe put your hand on your heart, hand on your belly and just take three deep breaths. Like that takes 10 seconds, but it can be so transformative. And then I think in the afternoons, if y'all can like prioritize any sort of time around like three, the time when energy slumps usually hit, those usually hit because we have been burning it, the candle at both ends for the whole morning. And then we expect ourselves to just be able to keep running. But it's like your phone, like your phone needs to charge during the day. And so can you gift yourself five, 10 minutes to just sit? And even, I mean, meditation, if, if you, that is enjoyable for you or just, just sit <laughs> or lay down or just breathe, just give yourself a break. And it, it is magical how your night transforms when you do that or if you can create some sort of space boundary between if you're working during the day and if you're, if one of your patterns is to eat a lot after work um, to create some sort of ritual that you're a not going home starving. So eating something with protein before, but B is giving yourself some sort of downtime before you go to the fridge. So how do y'all feel about pockets of presence during your day? Do you feel like there's anything that you think of that you could implement or try out? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think um, I was even noticing that today around three. I mean, I always feel that around three o'clock and then I'm like, I'll just have a coffee, um, which is uh, maybe could be considered mindful if I like made it into more of like a, I'm treating myself to this coffee at 3 p.m. and like sitting down with it. But um, right now it's definitely more of like a, let's just chug this so I can keep going and like push through this day even though I'm really tired. Um, so yeah, I think like if I stopped and meditated or just like sat down for five minutes and just like, you know, didn't look at my phone or just like was present that um, would really help me not feel like I'm totally burnt out at the end of the day. Yes, thank you, Jackie. Yeah, the pockets of breathing I also said like 
I love that you said like, can you gift yourself an energy? I wrote like, can you get your gift yourself an energy boost? I really like that idea of like giving yourself this energy as a gift. And it's something that we have the power to give ourselves whenever we want. We don't need anybody else's permission. We don't need to spend money. We don't really need to spend extra time. And I love that reframe of like, it's a gift. Um, and like, I like to give myself presents all the time. So like, I'm gonna give myself this gift. Sorry, I'm gonna mute myself. <laughs> I like I like how you said that Danielle too um and I think for me is I'm always I'm I haven't I'm not as mindful and present in the moment and that's something I'm working on that is why Danielle and I are, are um you know doing this course together but um like you said in the morning like or whatever it is just like being aware of breath, which is something I'm doing and, and part of my morning um, intentions is making my bed and doing the breath work in the morning. And I've been doing it two days so far, so we're good. I know, um, but I've been more mindful about thinking about that and trying to come up with affirmations and things that in that time when I'm making the bed and then like um, in the hospital, like I'm walking to and from patients' rooms and sometimes it does take five minutes between where I'm going. And there's times where I'm sitting at the elevator, elevator waiting and I'm on my phone. So there's a lot of places for me, I'm, I'm glued to my phone, not necessarily. I actually don't wanna be glued to my phone, but I notice that the times that I have any moment of silence, I'm picking up my phone and I'm looking at text messages, emails or Instagram or something. And I'm never giving myself that, like you said, gift yourself. And today I thought about, it's a little off topic, but today I thought about, I'm always giving and giving for people um i work in a hospital i'm x y and z doing these things after work i'm doing all these things and i never give that time that i'm giving to other people for myself so that is something i thought about today and you know it makes sense like those times where i'm just let me check and respond back to this email well you know what maybe i'm not gonna respond back right now and this is my time for me because i don't give enough time for myself so um that is enlightening to hear why don't you do those things in between those mid-morning days and it just doesn't occur to me in that hot you know mindset that I'm in right now that oh okay let me look at my phone it's just a habit that's the habit that I'm in right now yes Sarah thank you <laughs> so good for you to be able to now like throughout your day and notice you get to notice the trigger of like when you're compulsively reaching for your phone and that's an awakening. Like that's getting out of the hypnosis of just like getting sucked in and, and celebrate those wins. Like that's huge. Like be like, yes, look, I'm doing it. Yes, I'm doing it. <laughs> the other thing that I think about too is like, when I starved myself of that energy, like this week I had kind of a, it brought me back. Like when I used to teach a bunch of boot camps all week because I'm in, I'm in Baltimore and I taught a bunch of boot camps. And I remember I would literally go from like 6 a.m. would be my first boot camp, right to volleyball, right to four clients, right to this, right to this, then a meeting. Then I'd have like three boot camps in the evening and I would never give myself like that gift of presence. And I would go home and I would stuff my face with not great food because I was starving for energy, but I didn't realize like what type of energy I was actually craving. And if I would have just like, like you said, like filled my bucket a little bit more throughout the day through breath, through drinking an extra cup of water, through um, like wiggling my body out a little bit, I could have filled my bucket and not been so starving by the time I got home. And I don't mean starving, like actually hungry, but like starving for energy. And that was a really big awakening for me when I started to add breathing into like, you know, like um, I think Sarah, like you said, or, or Ellie, like you said, like right before you get out of, or right after you get out of your car, like 
take a couple deep breaths. You know, Sarah, right before you walk into a new patient's room, can you stop out of the door and take two deep breaths? And kind of fitting in these like small pockets made me less hungry for energy by the time I got home. Love that. Thank you, Danielle. And I think um, with this using using the breath like we were talking about, there's certain counting breaths you can use too. I don't know if y'all practice them together. Um, one I like to use is the five, five, seven breath. So it's a five second inhale, a five second hold and a seven second exhale. And I'd love to go through it with you guys together because I think it's so powerful just to like, it's almost like a tool in your tool belt. Anytime you're hit with an anxious thought, anytime you're ruminating, anytime you're, you are stressed or overwhelmed, it's just like five, five, seven. I'm gonna do my five, five, seven. And um, so we can, are y'all, are y'all okay to do that? Okay, cool. So if you want to sit, I mean, you can do this with your eyes open walking, but we're going to, we're going to sit and close our eyes for this. <laughs> so you can roll your shoulders down your back. Close your eyes. I'm just first starting to tune into the breath. Feeling your belly rise with your inhale. Feel it fall with your exhale. And we're gonna begin with the five, five, seven. So letting all of the air out. On your inhale, two, three, four, five, hold, two, three, four, five, exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven, inhale, two, three, four, five, hold, two, three, four, five, exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Inhale, two, three, four, five. Hold, two, three, four, five. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Inhale, two, three, four, five. Hold, two, three, four, five. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Last round together, inhale, two, three, four, five. Hold, two, three, four, five. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And just gently return to your normal way of breathing. Again, feeling your belly rise with your inhale. Feel it fall with your exhale. And when you're ready, gently flutter the eyes open and reconnect to the world around you.
How do you feel after that? What did your What did you think? That was great. Good. I feel relaxed, actually. Good. Yes. And this people around me were breathing with us. That everybody around me was like, "Oh, this is really nice." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is something that you can use and you can take it at your own pace. If that was too fast or too slow, um, just let it be flexible for you. But it's just connecting with that count can get you out of your, your thoughts and start to really get the body into that parasympathetic mode. So out of the fight or flight state and into our restful state, our sense of calm. And this is huge. I think it's one of the most powerful things to have in order to be able to respond consciously to things versus impulsively react. Could I just take even just one round of that breath? Ideally, if you can go like 10 rounds, but if you can three, you know, just whatever you've got, make it work and just start. And it can be so powerful. Yeah. And then um, I think the, the lastly, I guess we're almost out of time, but the last thing I wanna share is in the moments that you do want to indulge, because there's gonna be moments when you do. And so it's just about bringing consciousness into it and really slowing down. So if you are going to eat the ice cream or are going to eat the cookies, can you put them on a plate or in a bowl? Can you go sit down? Can you reduce multitasking? So not watching TV and mindlessly eating the ice cream, like make it, let your whole body in on the experience, smell it, find gratitude for it. Um, taste every bite. And then one thing I really like to do is called a post-indulgence ritual. So it's giving yourself something to do after. And this isn't even just after like ice cream. This is, for me, it was after just eating because I was constantly overeating because I wanted the pleasure to keep going, even if it was Brussels sprouts. It was like, I just want that sensation of eating because I'm still getting dopamine from it. And so giving myself something to do right after the food was over to kind of signal to the brain like this is done, but giving myself something else to look forward to. So I was using um, club soda as like my go-to. So Tebu Chico was a great one. Um, things like the same kind of things as the, as the non-edible forms of nourishment. Tea, water, coffee, go for a walk, play a song, but just making it a ritual where after you eat, it's like, this is done, but I'm giving my brain something to do. So it's not just like, Ugh, well, I don't want to go work, so I'm just going to keep eating, you know? So it's just recognizing that. And um, I, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. But <laughs> did that, do you feel like that would be helpful? Do any of y'all have that issue of like wanting to overeat? Yeah, because you know, for me, like there's never an end. Like there's, there is no signal like, okay, let's tie a bow around this. It's just like, empty pit empty pit empty pit like because i haven't said okay we're done the brain's like i guess we're not done <laughs> oh my God, yes this is yes i like i used to not be able to even eat like dark chocolate like things that were like quote unquote like healthier options because i just didn't know how to stop and then mm -hmm. it, it like, gave me back power to be like okay i can't have just one square i'm gonna slow down and i'm gonna eat every bite and then i'm gonna have my club soda and then I'm gonna sit with my club soda and just relax and like giving myself the downtime that I was really seeking. I wasn't really needing the dark chocolate. I just needed the, the downtime. 
Um, so yeah, that can be one thing to possibly help. And the last thing I wanted to talk about was, I kind of touched on this, but thinking about food choices on the spectrum. So again, not good or bad, but thinking about how can I up-level this? How can I make this 1% better? And that can also be like, am I reaching for like reaching for the dark chocolate versus the Hershey's chocolate or reaching for like, if you're traveling that it doesn't have to be some all or none, like, Oh, I can't eat perfectly. So why bother? But asking yourself, like, how could, what could I do? I could go to McDonald's and if I had to go to McDonald's, doesn't even have to get the fries and the milkshake. I could just get some burger patties and not eat the bun and a side salad. And that's, that's better on the scale. So to just kind of like, it's all about, again, theme It's just consciousness and being like, okay, well, what is the best choice for me right now in this moment? So, yes. Well, you guys, do you have any questions for me? Anything that you're specific, like that you're dealing with that you'd like some help with? I don't, I don't know if I have any questions right now, but I think this was a wonderful talk and I'm so glad um, you shared all these things. Like, I definitely know that tomorrow I will consciously not use my phone in between patients using breath work um, because I do come home from work and I have something right after work that I don't have the time or I don't feel like I have the time. And then that leads into more stress and anxiety um, which then leads into all these other, other feelings and things. And, um, you know, whatever's quick and I can find in the, the fridge to eat, for example, it is what it is. And then, and that's it, you know? So, um, you know, I'm trying to prepare my, which I've always been pretty good at, but like lately it just with Corona anxiety and all these things, um, things have been a little different. And so I think, I think, you know, really trying to focus on breath work, which isn't something I've ever really done before um is going to be really helpful for me so I liked all those things that you talked about thank you you're so welcome thank you for that share and what about you Jackie is there any takeaways or any questions that you have um you guys are breaking up a little bit so what did you ask if I have any questions oh yeah okay um no not not right now but like similar to um, what Sarah was saying, I felt like this was really helpful. And um, it's definitely going to be on my mind. And I took like two pages of uh, notes. So that's always a good thing too. Oh, good. I'm so glad to hear that. Ellie, this was awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and energy. I've been thinking about like, how am I going to fill my energy buckets tomorrow so that I don't come home like as starving for energy. Um, and you know, something I, I say to, to the girls a lot in the group is like, this is, you know, this isn't a knowledge game. Like these aren't really things that are like revolutionary, but it's a practice game. And the more that we have the space to practice and have a, a space where we can like come together and share what we're going through and how we're handling it. Like that's how we become better. That's how we own our shit. That's how we break through these these patterns um, is by like practicing it and continuing to talk about it. So thank you so much for creating the space to practice. Um, you're, yeah, this is amazing. Did you hear that in the back half? <laughs> robots. There's robots everywhere. But yeah, you rock. 
You guys rock. I'm so excited for you guys to practice these tools. And yeah, I love what you said about it being a, a practice game. It is. And it's just like, there's no failures in this. Because again, our brain's going to want to go to do the old thing. So it's just like, every time you do the new thing, celebrate yourself. Like, yes, look, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Can we take a selfie? Is everyone okay if we take a selfie? Sure. You always know it's going to come. I'm going to do it on my phone. <laughs> I was going to do a screenshot, but I'm just going to do it on my phone. I think that's one of my gray hairs. Okay. Ellie, if you have suggestions for foods I can eat to stop my gray hairs or Sarah, let me know because they're on fleek. They're like getting worse by the day. I'm like, what am I eating? I don't know. But anyway, smiles. One, two, three. Hey. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and energy, Ellie. Thank you. Ladies, for your time and energy tonight. Really, really appreciate you. Um, I will post the recording in the Facebook group because I've had a couple people already text me while we were on the call saying, oh my God, I couldn't make it. Please post the recording. And I know Jackie's mom was going to come, so maybe she'll watch the recording too. Yes. Um, Hi, mom. <laughs> hey, mom. <laughs> so I appreciate you. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Y'all are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful night. You too.